Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business, the monthly podcast produced by the Interior Design Community for the Interior Design Community. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm here with my co-presenter Susie Rumbold, Creative Director of Tosuta Interiors, as today we discuss the art of successful blogging for interior designers. When blogging first began in the late 90s, blogs were simply people's personal online diaries or journals, mostly written in internet cafes by gap year students on their travels. From these humble beginnings and with the advent of social media and all its diverse platforms, blogging has evolved into big business and is an important way for creative businesses of all kinds to engage with their target customers. But it can be a daunting and arduous task. Committed bloggers must post a regular stream of consistently high quality, original and relevant content that can be very time consuming to produce. So, is blogging worth the considerable effort involved and will blogging increase your client base and add to the profitability of your business? Today we are joined by special guests Kate Watson-Smythe, well-known property and interiors journalist, co-host of the Great Indoors podcast and author of the multi-award winning interiors blog Mad About the House, and Fiona Mostyn, specialist digital marketing coach for interior designers and founder of My Deco Marketing, to find out the answers to these burning questions. Welcome to the interior design business. So welcome Kate and Fiona to our first show of 2021. Kate, can you expand a little bit on Susie's introduction with your background and how Mad About the House began and grew to become so popular today? Well, it began actually much as Susie said, um, more as a sort of personal thing. I have been a journalist for hmm, half my life now. Um, and I had gone from being a staff news reporter at The Independent. I went freelance when my son was born, my eldest son in 2001. And I'd always wanted to write features. I'm not actually terribly good at news. I hate all the door knocking. And so I'd been desperate to get into features and all the sort of lovely fluffy people on features were like, no, no, go away, you grubby little news hack, we don't want you. And then I had a baby and I was like, oh, can I come and write now? And as, as was the way of things, I'd been there for about five years and there was a sort of urgent gap that needed plugging on the interiors. Back then when he was born in 2001, the Independent had, if you can believe it, a weekly 48 page pullout just of interiors um, and that took quite a lot of filling and they had someone who hadn't written what they needed and they rang me up and said can you write this quickly yes I'm in and I just loved writing about property at that stage it was the pick of the property market I then went on to write more interviewing people about interior design and learning and how to's and that sort of rolled on very nicely um, I had another child in 2003 and then newspapers, as everybody knows, started going downhill and, and my career went with it. And um, I think everybody started blogging very much so in 2009 is when the interiors blogging took off with a Swedish blog called Emma's Blog, double G. And uh, we hadn't really got that much of it in this country, but I had sort of started as many people were on Google, you know, what is a blog? Where do I get one? What do I do? And I launched it really as a, a sort of online CV. I thought it would help me get more work with newspapers. And that's where it came from. And obviously I had no idea that, that it would grow into something where a few years later, The Independent was syndicating my blog 
back from me into their pages, which felt like journalism had eaten itself. And of course, I was then turning around to newspapers and going, no, I haven't got time to write for you. I'm too busy writing my blog. So it, it grew out of that, really. Wonderful. And, and how long has it been going now? So that's what, 11 years, did you say? I started in January 2012, so it will be 10 years next year. Oh, congratulations, yeah. that's amazing. What a milestone that will be. And Fiona, what's your story? How did you come to become a blogging expert for interior designers? So I've always worked in marketing from the very start of my career. Um, I started off in software, then I went to financial services, then um, I had children. And it seems that, as, as Kate says as well, you know, that seems to be a catalyst for when you have this kind of career change and when you go and do something different in your life. Um, I came back to work and I started working in more kind of lifestyle uh, industries and not so sort of financial and technical. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, around 2017, I started working for a company where I started getting involved with interiors. I was working on their marketing and their um, website and just doing various sort of aspects of their digital marketing. Um, and I just started to work with more and more interior designers and I just really enjoyed that. So I left in 2019 um, and started my own business well very on early late in 2018 actually and um, 2019 that really started to take off um, I then started writing lots and lots of blogs for interior designers I've now written hundreds of blogs for interior designers and home decor brands um, and I also do CPT, CPD marketing events for the BIID where I help people with content marketing and teach them more about how writing their blog is really important and um you know, what it can do for you in terms of generating leads and sales and getting you found in search and, you know, connecting you with those home renovators who are typing into Google what they want to do to their houses, you know, how they want to renovate their homes and making sure that you're the person that comes up and that can be done by writing the right kind of blog. Fantastic. So, Fiona, you're probably really well placed to answer this question. What is a blog and where did that term originate? Yeah, okay, so um, the term originated from um, weblog, so web, the log of your web. So if you think of it as a sort of diary, so back in the days when of the internet, when the, when the web first came around, um, you were, people were looking for ways to update their website, because the idea is that you have a website and you have your sort of homepage and your main products and services that you have there. And that doesn't really change very much. But the web log is a log of things that you're doing either on your web or, you know, on your um, in your business in real life and how that changes. And then that got abbreviated to the blog and the blog actually took off in terms of a form of life itself on the Internet. And blogs actually overtook websites as a way of updating live content and live interesting ways of being found on Google for different topics. So Mad About the House, Kate, I'm right in thinking it's just Mad About the House, that's the blog and it exists as its kind of own little entity, whereas some of the designers, Fiona, that you're writing for, presumably they have the bloggers like their news section on their own website, right? Yeah, my, well, mine, yes, mine's gone the other way. So mine started off as a blog on which you can now find a link to the podcast, a link to the books I've written, links to the shop I'm launching. So mine's, yes, mine's sort of come about it from the other side, if you like, um, and did begin very much on that idea of a web 
blog. I really think we need to find a new word though, because somehow the word blog is still not doing it for me. But uh, I mean, I suppose mine's morphed more into a sort of online magazine in a way. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the term blog sounds a bit lumpy somehow, doesn't it? And I don't know whether it's, it's whether we need to find another, I mean, I, I noticed a lot of interior designers are calling their things journals or, you know, they, they're finding other words for it now rather than, rather than blog. But I think somehow, it, as much as we all hate that word, it's really difficult to change it. You know, it's, it's a bit, I don't know if we're allowed to say this, you know, it's like Hoover, that's the brand name and we're not supposed to use it without a capital letter, but not very many people talk about the vacuum cleaner. And I think we can talk about journals and diaries and online magazines and issues as much as we like. We all know what we mean when we talk about a blog in the same way that we all know what we mean when we talk about downpipe as a color of gray. Yeah, no, so, so so obviously then it sounds as though there are different points to blogging and, and Fiona, your blog has a completely different or the, the blogs that you write or help interior designers or teach them to write have a different purpose to perhaps Mad About the House. Yeah, I would say that there is a real difference between an interior designer's blog and a design blog. And the main thing I think is really with, let's say, a blog that's, that's around the topic of, of design that's written by a blogger they are not actually selling a product or service themselves. They are, their, their product or service is actually their blog. So it's actually the ability to get lot, lots and lots of traffic to their blog. Um, as an interior designer, you also need to do that, but you also then need to craft a blog that will then sell, persuade someone to sell them, you know, thousands of pounds of interior design services, which is slightly different than a blog where you're going to find about interior design trends or look at you know what the latest um, things are in the shops. They're very differently crafted. But then they do end up sort of meshing together or can do. So I will, um, every Monday I do a feature which I sort of loosely call beautiful rooms, but that will often be rooms by interior designers, which I link to, or I might say this, you know, this is particularly good or this is a new discovery. So actually that, that then might lead my audience to one of Fiona's interior designers who's who's writing a blog that she's taught them how to do so of course it all it all interlinks. Conversely lots of the interior designers on their blogs I've noticed um, will have a best of you know 10 best this best lamps best whatever things that they've found or five best new products whatever it, whatever it might be so again you're right there is this crossover and meshing of the two. Well I would say any blog that you write as an interior designer needs to do several things as a, there's a there's a list of things that you need to ensure that it does preferably all of these things but you know at least one of them one is to capture emails to grow your um, email list so that you can then market to people gently over time and you know persuade them to buy your your products and services the, the other one is to generate leads and inquiries and so that's really key that you include a call to action on your blog. One of the things I often see people miss out is actually you know they write this beautiful blog but they never put well just call me you know you know email me call me make sure you click this button and buy something um you know selling a product or services is the final end part of that um positioning yourself as an authoritative expert so you know you know writing that blog gives you the opportunity to position yourself as someone who really knows what they're doing again that's a that's a fundamental difference between a design blog and an interior designers blog in a design blog will show beautiful things and you know open the doors to you to amazing shops amazing uh, apartments amazing buildings and show you around them but the interior designers blog needs to actually show that they have 
the contacts, they know the tradesmen, they've done this successfully, then they will make this dream home for you uh, with, with ease and, you know, take the stress out of it. And so you need to show that you can actually do this. So it's a lot more kind of grottier writing, if you like, the befores and the afters. There's also a, a very key point I would pick up from Fiona there, which um, someone said to me a couple of years ago, it was uh, Basola Evans, who's Associate Editor of Living, etc. And we were talking uh, three or four years ago about the growth of Instagram. Um, and Basola sort of and I were saying that, you know, when Instagram started, it was very much about your numbers. Um, and you know the biggest numbers one and I remember um, being asked by a company to work with a brand an American brand and my name was put forward and they were horrified that my numbers were so small because they were used to American numbers you know there's just more of them it's bigger but what Basola and I were saying was that you know it then became established that you could fake the numbers and so then it moved on to it was all about your engagement and then it was realized that you can buy the engagement and what it comes down to is you cannot fake or buy authority. And I think that works for me on my Instagram and my design blog and, and crucially where Fiona's coming from, if her interior design clients can write a blog that show that they absolutely know what they're talking about, they're master of their business and they have the authority, that these days is the thing that people trust because so much else can be faked and bought. So I think that's absolutely another reason, which I'm sure Fiona was going to say as to why it's so important, I think, to, to have a blog, to prove that you, you have that authority in your field. But how do you measure that? Because obviously likes or followers is something that's patently obvious to anyone that clicks on, a, on an Instagram post. You know, any, anytime you follow someone, you can see how many other people are following them and how many people they are following. How do you, how do you measure? How would you know whether someone is an authority? Well, there are certain ways in terms of, um, you know, judging how honest the numbers are in, uh, in terms of looking at people's Instagram following. So there are softwares and apps that can help you to do that. But I think in picking up what uh, Kate was saying about, you know, being um, an authoritative expert, I think that I totally agree. That is absolutely key. And any kind of business, that's just absolutely core to it because, you have to have that backbone there to make your business work. Um, if you are selling something, you know, um, it's all very well having all these followers, but if you if you can't actually do what you need to do and, and persuade people. So, you know, having a blog, I mean, we've always had, we've always had influences in, in a sense. I think we just are kind of blinded at the moment by this, the new media channels that they're coming through. You know, pre-internet, we've always looked to books and we'd always look to magazines and we'd always look to, um, you know, journal journalists and various opinion makers um, for opinions on things and, and trusted people who knew what they were talking about. And now, social media has kind of democratized that and there's so many people out there and it you know you, a blog is a way to make people understand you know what you're talking about because they will be able to see it there in your blog if writing about things have done or whether you're just glossing over it i suppose it becomes your usp too it's your it's the way to differentiate you from the the noise 
And it's also about, you know, sharing knowledge that that people can see works or they can see through the illustration of the pictures that you know what you're talking about or giving people, you know, people love free advice. That was that was the same when we were writing in newspapers, but giving people tips and advice, you know, not giving it all away in, in Fiona's case or interior designers, but giving enough away to show you know what you're talking about. You know, Instagram is full of people who have very pretty houses who can tell you why they decorated it the way they did, but they can't necessarily tell you why it works or what the thinking was behind it in order to build that scheme. And that I think we, we're all getting much more savvy in terms of the way we consume this digital media now. And I think, you know, they've always said, you can't really fake it on the internet. You can't fake your personality. You know, you are who you are and that will come out. And I think if you pick up certain Instagram accounts or blogs and you follow them, I think you very quickly start to see who is perhaps posting something lovely you just like looking at and who is giving advice that you really you know might help you and you want to know about on that authority question kate um was there any particular moment or moments where you felt i've reached doyen status <laughs> well um no only for my age perhaps um i i don't know i mean i i i think what I have perhaps, I, I am no more knowledgeable than, than many people. Um, and I am certainly not a professional interior designer. I look at a lot of interiors, um, but I think I, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a professional writer. I've been writing every day for, for 30 years. So what, what my ability, if you like, or gift is that I know how to get the information across in a way that means you can understand it. Um, and having spent all those years on newspapers and freelancing and interviewing interior designers, you know, I've absorbed a lot of knowledge, which I want to pass on. So I feel that, you know, that that is perhaps where my expertise has come from, sort of absorbing it and being able to pass it on in the right way. And I know that, you know, a lot of interior designers would say, you know, I'm very visual, I'm very creative, I can't write, do I have to do a blog? Um, and that, I think, is where Fiona's expertise comes in, because she can teach you, you know, how to write something and how to get your message across that might feel daunting. You know, I'm not daunted by being told to write a thousand words by lunchtime, um, whereas other people might take them all day to write 300 words because it's not what they're used to doing. Fiona, just, as a, as a, just to satisfy my curiosity, how many interior designers do you write blog posts for? Um... Well, I've written over a hundred just for one. <laughs> and at the moment, I'm probably writing for about half a dozen. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you find you have to write then in a different um, journalistic style almost for each one to reflect the personality of that designer? I mean, that's an incredible skill. That's a positive chameleon you are. When you we do have we do have a process when we when we go through it and we do have a process where I speak to have a consultation with the designers and I will speak to them and I will really get to understand you know who who they who they are what they're portraying for their clients who their ideal client is because that that's really key as well you know one of the key things to do to know when you're writing a blog is who your ideal client is what they like what they're going to be attracted for to. Um, and then we look at the projects and we pick out the real the real key differentiators and the USPs in their projects. And then we go, go on to the more technical side of it. Um, well, I, I do that myself, which is to, to find out, you know, what, what we can pick out from those topics that's going to help that blog get found in search. Because that, is, again, is one of the key things is not just to write the blog, but to make sure that 
it is something that that home renovator is going to type up in search and there you are the interior designer that comes up to as being like you know the perfect interior designer in Surrey for our country house kitchen you know whatever it is whatever they, they specialize in and the work that they want we, we craft those blogs to to attract that audience it's much much more skillful than what I do <laughs> Well, I, no, I, doubt, I doubt that very much. But what I was going to ask you, Kate, was who is your target audience? Who are you writing for? I, I never, because I didn't set out to sort of capture a market or, or, or make a business, I just sort of started writing things that I thought were interesting. And then every time I think that perhaps I was writing for what... Um, what I might call initially to start with the sort of normal person who perhaps can't afford an interior designer, but was interested in making their house look nice. Um, so it was trying very much to hit, I suppose, that that market where you might be aware, you might be aware of the Prada bag, but your budget might be Topshop. Um, so it was that sort of hitting what I call people like me who, who didn't have huge amounts of money to spend, but cared what it looked like. And as fast as I think I had those, then I would have a call from somebody who was uh, living in a private road and fitting out her coach house for her teenage daughter. And I would think, oh, so, um, oh, more older, uh, wealthy people. Um, and then I would get a call from a first time buyer saying, you know, I don't just want it all to be scaffolding shelves and bare light bulbs. What can I do? So I hope and like to think that I, that, I have a real mix and because I'm not necessarily tied to one style, I'm just sort of sharing information that, that, that I, I mean, I said in, in, in my, in my first book, you know, it's, I'm hope I'm writing for anybody who has a home. Basically. Broad audience. Um, Fiona, most of the interior designers, uh, blogs that I see are aimed at the home renovation market. Does blogging work for interior design practices in the commercial space? And is the approach the same? I don't have many commercial clients. Um, however, I would say in some senses, I, I would approach it with the same target goals in mind, which is to basically um, write topics that are aimed at your ideal client um, that will contain, the blog will be crafted to contain, you know, what it needs to get found in search. So, you know, to say so for those commercial clients looking, looking for that business to, to make sure that they, they are getting found in, in the Google searches. Have you ever written anything for that commercial audience ever, Kate? No, I haven't. I mean, I've, I've sort of been asked to write blogs for, for brands, I suppose, but not, um, I have a, a friend who does, uh, offices does interior design for offices and she um, landed a very big project once and asked me to go and help and I just ran screaming from the room after the first meeting because there was well first of all there was an awful lot of talk about cable management and I just sort of quite couldn't um, and then the second meeting involved a massive row about a company they were buying and uh, who was going to use which door and uh, that the company they were acquiring were not going to be allowed to use the main front door was have to going to use the side door. Um, and so they would have to decorate it accordingly. And I just thought, do you know what, this is not for me. I just want to go and do someone's nice bedroom and find a coffee table. <laughs> so it's not my area. Yeah, no, I, I looked at a few in preparation for this for today and and I looked at quite a few of the, the big um, companies that do hotel design and they, they do seem to blog a lot about their brand values. 
So I wonder whether they're targeting their commercial clients because they're trying to find other clients that, that meld with their own with their own brand values. It's, it tends to be a lot of stuff about them as a company and how fabulously fabulous they were. And there's such a difference, isn't there? I mean, I remember there was a, a show, and I think it's coming back for a second series soon, called Interior Design Masters, um, where they had amateurs and they got them to, to, to decorate and design various spaces. Now, obviously, I know it's all made for telly and it's all edited for telly. However, there was one particular show where they said, you know, go and do a hotel bedroom. Um, and this one woman did a bedroom, which I thought was really pretty. And it was quite sort of Victorian with an antique four poster bed and lots of lace draped over it. And I thought it was lovely. And then the judges came in and went, you can't possibly have this in a hotel. How on earth are you going to clean it? And I, that was a bit of a revelation for me because I never, I don't necessarily think in practical terms like that, you know, about football and hardware and carpet tiles and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I think the two are, are very different. I suspect it's perhaps easier to go from commercial to residential than the other way. That seems to be the way most of the traffic goes. Most, a lot of interior designers will go into resi, but you very rarely hear anyone starting in resi and going in the opposite direction. Seems to be the, the way it works. So if we go right back to basics then, Fiona, how would you go about setting up a blog? If you're starting from scratch, you know, I wake up tomorrow morning and go, hey, I need a blog. What do I do? Apart well, from coming to you, obviously. <laughs> you make sure that you have it integrated into your website so that you actually have the ability to write a blog. Um, WordPress is my favorite as a software website for, for doing so. So I recommend everyone is on WordPress if possible. Um, you, then you have to decide basically whether you're going to do it yourself or you're going to get someone like me to do it for you so you know if you're going to get someone like me hello um otherwise if you're going to do it yourself um i'm still here because um i've written a, a little ebook and um it's all really designed around helping interior designers write their blogs from scratch so i it, this is actually my little lockdown project whilst everyone else is sort of off baking and um, gardening and you know spending time outdoors or whatever they were doing I I locked myself in a room and, and wrote this little book um, and basically what it does is it sort of drills down into into my experiences of speaking to lots and lots of interior designers through my work and through the network that I work with and through speaking to them at the BIID events and I kind of found that many of them approach their blogging with and not a very sort of commercial goal in mind. They were looking at it more of a creative writing perspective, really about sort of thinking about things that they enjoy and they like and writing these blogs about that. So I wrote this book and basically it's called 365 blog post ideas for interior designers. And what it does is it gives you 365 blog post <laughs> ideas. Um, and they're, I've already researched them. So I know that they'll be good for SEO. Um, but it also tells you how to write a blog, how to craft a blog that will, uh, going back to those things that I mentioned earlier, that will capture emails, generate leads, sell a product or service, um, how to persuade people to buy your design services through these blogs that you write. I, I would pick up on, on Fiona's point 365 as well, because when I started, um, and was sort of frantically looking at, you know, what is a blog and how do I do one and how often must I do it? And I came across this piece um, which talked about the, the winter of blogging discontent. 
Um, and it said that, you know, how when you start, you're really enthusiastic and it's all guns blazing, you want to do it every day and you don't care that only your mum is reading it, you know, and then after about three months, you go, I really wish my sister was reading it as well. Um, and so, and then something happens, you know, and you go to the gym and you forget to do one and, and then nobody notices. And then you suddenly realise that a week has gone by and you haven't done it and actually nobody's noticed and, and it's died a death. And this is, again, slightly different from Fiona's audience who would, would have a, a, a business running alongside it. But I came up with an idea that right back at the beginning, which I called 365 Objects of Design. And the idea was that there would be a little postcard every single day. And it might just be a nice chair I'd found or a cushion or how to hang some wallpaper but they were there they were numbered and I had to do it and the idea was that that would get me through this blogging discontent and build an audience so I think 365 idea is you know it's a fantastic way even if you do them you do them once a week or perhaps once a month you could keep going for ages um you know that's that's a really good idea is to pace yourself and and I'm I'm, I'm sure Fiona would agree with me it's consistency if you if you're going to set up a blog and you're going to ask to be invited into people's inboxes on a regular basis through the subscription then you need to show up when you say you'll show up so it's no good posting three times a day for a month and then disappearing for three months because you went on holiday and you couldn't quite be bothered and then popping back up and going oh me again you know you have to decide what is realistic either in terms of paying someone else to do it for you what you can financially afford or if you want to do it yourself because you enjoy the writing process how much time have you got per week per month to devote to it and then plan it and stick to that schedule how what is is there an optimal you know once is once a week the best or you know does anyone know I think there's always going to be a different audience, isn't there? There's always going to be a revolving audience. So, you know, once one, one person's um, finished their renovation, there's going to be someone else looking to do a different renovation. So that that uh, that audience keeps on rolling and you need to keep attracting them to, to feed your business. I completely agree with what Kate is saying in that, you know, it is a long-term game. And, you know, uh, what you were saying about, oh, you know, you think no one's listening and you, and you give up. Well, the, the thing is, if you're consistent as, at it, and you stay there that the benefits should be showing because you should be seeing your web statistics and your hits to your website going up and up and up the more that you keep blogging and what's really important and this is true with any kind of website not just a blog as well is that you don't adopt that kind of build it and come they will come mentality writing the blog is is the first bit and the easy bit and then so i've i've given people some tips about you know what they can do to actually get their blogs out there get them read get them writ written and people People talk about Instagram a lot and, you know, it's, it's the kind of social media of the day for interiors where, where a lot of people hang out. But having a blog is, is so um, ab absolutely crucial to, to your business and your website. And not only that, but it really gives you lots of content to feed your Instagram. If you're worried about what to post on social media, if you have a blog, you never have that worry because you always have content there that leads back to you that's feeding your business. And I, I can't I can't 
emphasize how much I agree with that. I mean, I always say that, you know, Instagram is like everybody's current bad boyfriend. You know, we're chasing after it, hoping that we get a call back, that we get the likes, that they'll show it to everyone. You know, in Instagram is is your is your part of your blog is your partner. That's the one you're committed to. And, you know, not least because as as Fiona says, you, your blog is it's there, it's searchable. You know, I get a lot of traffic to my blog now coming through Google searches, not just because they're looking for that particular post that I've written that day that I might have promoted the hell out of. Um, whereas Instagram, you know, you've got a hashtag. Have you ever tried looking for something under a hashtag on Instagram? I mean, it's completely impossible. You'll never find it again unless you make a note of the person who posted it. And, you know, nowadays, I think many fewer people look at the grid. They look at stories. Obviously, they disappear in 24 hours. So it, it's much harder to, you know, Instagram is there because it just wants to munch up your time and your content. And I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Instagram. I, I love it. But I think you need to be aware that, you know, it, it's not necessarily the best for you in terms of returns. You're better with a blog where you live, where everybody can find you. You know, that's your house. Yeah, because I was going to sort of say, is there a way you can link your Instagram feed to your blog without followers having to go through your website? But from if I understand what you're saying, actually, that's kind of it's almost the opposite way around that, you know, perhaps if someone finds your blog because they've done a Google search for something that they're looking for, that could then take them to your Instagram feed. And that would be a reinforcement. You know, it's all it's all this kind of circularity of reinforce, 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 reinforce. I also find that, I mean, I don't know necessarily about the numbers, but anecdotally, I definitely have a, a, a fairly large blog contingent who don't do Instagram. Um, and I don't know whether that's that's an age thing or they're just not interested or they don't want to. But, you know, I, I, um, I've always tried on the various platforms. I mean, I'm much less on Twitter now, but, you know, in, in terms, I think one of the key things is, is multi-platform. So, you know, you want Instagram, you want to be on Twitter. I don't do Facebook, but you want to have a blog. Um, but you also, you know, there was a sort of fashion back, back in the internet dark ages of 2009, um, where you would perhaps be sharing that same content around all those platforms. So you'd hope that your audience would definitely see it. Whereas now I find that I'm trying to do a little bit of a different content for each platform because there is a certain amount of audience overlap. Um, but I know that when I do a blog post, I might say, oh, I, you know, I shared this on Instagram a while ago and, and people will pop up and go, I don't do Instagram, I never saw it. Um, and equally, there are people on Instagram who might look at something on an Instagram story or they want that sort of micro blog form of a caption, but they don't necessarily want to go sloughing over to the blog and, and have a look at something in more detail. So I think the two can be symbiotic and you can certainly use Instagram to promote a blog and absolutely use your blog to push your Instagram or other people's. Um, but, you know, try and have slight variation of content or there's one Instagram account I love called My Tiny Estate and they're doing up this beautiful house in Warwick and they have an Instagram caption where they go short um, and that'll be written by one of them. This is a picture of the gym we've dusted up and then they'll do long. This is how we did it. This is what we bought. Da, 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 da. And I often think that obviously they do all that within Instagram, but that's a sort of good way of explaining perhaps how you might do an Instagram post and then say, there's more on the blog and lead people over there. And then the blog people have got something different. So given that only a very small percentage of the people that follow you on Instagram are likely to actually see your posts because they're so, they're gone, blink and you'll miss it. 
how can you, is there a way where you can make sure that people who are following you on Instagram know that you are doing a blog? Is there a way? I mean, the, the main way I would suggest is basically that you mention it as often as possible for a start. Um, you can, you get a few opportunities to put um, links into your Instagram. Um, one is in the link in your bio. Another one is if you talk about your blog on an IGTV, you can put a clickable link in there. Um, and the other one is to send people direct messages, which is pretty, you know, I mean, it's possible, but it, it's, it's a long-winded way of getting a lot of people there. So you know, this goes back to the, the point that Instagram is, is a very sort of self-serving platform, which is designed to keep you there as long as possible. Um, there are other ways to get people to your blog. Pinterest has fantastic results for driving traffic, especially in the long term. And, you know, the, the numbers can be phenomenal if you stick with it for a good few months. The numbers, the numbers really do add up. Totally. I totally agree with that. I noticed a, a huge uptick in traffic from Pinterest when I think and a lot of people are now because we're now in that situation where we all we've all got slight Stockholm syndrome and we feel that we can't leave Instagram or turn our back on it. And, and you know, there are plenty of stories of people saying, oh, I had two weeks off Instagram and I've just posted. and Now it's punishing me by not showing it to anyone. And, you know, I think there are algorithm issues. Partly, I think it was perhaps never intended to be that big and that popular, and it, it's become very difficult to manage. So it's not all necessarily its own fault. I would also say in a bracket that I do sometimes know when I post a picture, it doesn't do very well. It's not because Instagram is punishing me. It's because it's a shit picture, um, you know, and let's be honest about that too. But I think I have started to see people say, you know, I've got a blog and I thought Instagram was going to push it. And, and I actually find that Pinterest pushes it much more. I mean, when I started in, in 2012, Instagram didn't really exist. And a third of my traffic came from Twitter referrals. Well, now no one comes from Twitter, even though I have a sort of automatic button which push, pushes every post that I do will upload to Twitter. Um, I don't really get much traffic from there. Um, and so Instagram took over for a while and now it is it is Pinterest. So, which is great for those who are much more visual and hate the writing. The, the other great thing about Pinterest is, is you don't actually have to be that social on it. For a social media, you literally just pop your picture on and you go, there's none of this lovely picture. Great, thank you. How are you? What are you doing today? Just pop your picture on. And that's it. And it's well, it's a search engine, isn't it? It's not yeah. social media. So it sort of doesn't, you know, th th there is no, yes, none of that chit chat. You want to get your keywords in that people will pick up on searches. That's very important. But yes, you don't, you don't have to interact or have faux conversations where you care about how people feel. <laughs> Kate, as uh, someone who, who blogs regularly and you're not phased by getting up in the morning and write, writing a thousand words and how far do you plan ahead what you're going to write? My planning ahead really varies. I, I always, you know, start a sort of new page in the notebook and I write down the 31 days and I write down that, you know, every Monday I have this regular post and every Friday I have that regular post. Um, and I don't post on a Wednesday unless it's sponsored content. That's my sort of advertising break, if you like, in the middle of the week. Um, so that then I normally find that, that that leaves me with sort of seven or eight posts to completely dream out of nowhere that are not pegged to a beautifully styled room or a house that's that's on the market. Um, and it really varies. Sometimes I sit down on a Tuesday afternoon and I can write three posts in an afternoon and plot the rest. And other times I can be there at six o'clock on a Wednesday night going, what am I gonna write tomorrow? Um, and, and sometimes some of the best ones come out of that slight desperation. And I think, for me, that's the journalist, you know, 
I've got to fill that blank page. I'm, I, something will come up. I, you know, because I've been doing it for a long time, my inbox is, has a lot in it. So it might be press releases, it might be a piece of news, or it might be something I've spotted. So I have not yet, hopefully nine years in, haven't been completely stuck with a blank page yet. <laughs> and then you mentioned something too, of course, which was the, 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 the making money. Uh, obviously, Fiona, interior designers will be hoping that their blogs will drive new clients in their direction. But are there other ways that bloggers make money from their blogs? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, you can go down the route of putting affiliate links in your blog posts, which means that you get money every time people click click through the links to buy something you can also you know uh, some designers that i've worked with have a shop section to their website so they will write their blogs and their blogs will be really those particular blogs will be particularly driven towards selling those products and linking through to buy those products on on the shop um one thing i will say though if you are going down the affiliate route it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort it is a full-time job i i believe there's few and far between people who can be a full-time professional interior designer and make money from a blog that needs affiliate links because you you need to you need to post regularly you need to keep your social media feeding those posts very very regularly um actually mel boyden who is uh, melanie jade design she wrote a blog post about this very recently and she was very honest and open in that blog post i i, I read it um very recently and she's very honest and open about how much hard work it is to keep up you know with your social media and keep up writing those blogs and and also she put the numbers there as well she put she put put down exactly how she, how much she earns from all of this so that would be a consideration of, you know for, for people who are thinking of going down that route analyze how much time you would be able to dedicate to this and and you know what it would mean for you to go down that that sales route and i know kate you're completely transparent on your blog about about all your links and things which i think is fantastic because there's been some bad press recently about certain influencers not being as transparent as perhaps they should be and it's it's refreshing you you have to be because you know people well none of us want to be lied to do we and I think you have to be very clear you know I'm that that's why I do my sponsored post on a Wednesday and spell it out that obviously like everyone I would say I only take sponsored posts from things I'm interested in or care about but that can become a bit of a throwaway line um, but I only do them on a Wednesday, so you know that yes, I've chosen who I work with, um, and this is this is sponsored content. It is in the form, if you like, of an advertorial, and you know that that's become the way I monetized mine. In that, I have put affiliate links on because I'm setting up a shop, which is a, a sort of separate thing, commercial arm of the blog. So I had to put the affiliate links on there, but I didn't have them until about six months ago. Um, and so it was all sort of organic content. Um, and what I had developed um, over the last few years is a sort of working in partnership with various brands. So rather than doing just one post on your chair, like I would say, well, all right, let's let's hook up for three months, six months or a year and let's get right into a sort of long term partnership. And for me, that's proved much more valuable um, in terms of the brand getting content which they can share but also you know helping people learn a bit more about a brand and I think it's great you know now when people have to be very conscious of what they buy we're much more aware now of the sort of eco 
uh, issues around what we buy. We want to buy it once. We want to get it right. We care where it's made, who made it. So having a sort of longer term partnership with the brand from, from my point of view has worked because I can really get into sharing about that brand with someone um, rather than just having a sort of throwaway ad. I completely, completely agree with that. Um, and I think that one of the things that you will find happening on the sort of sponsored post fronts is uh, as soon as your your website gets any kind of traction, any authority in its own rights, you will have a slew of um, messages into your inbox asking people to for you to post this blog and post that blog and to work with you on various levels. But I think Kate's got the right idea in terms of work with people who whose brand you really understand and who's who your audience will really understand and get to grips with you know that there's many opportunities to to do sponsored posts but unless they are really geared towards your specific audience it's it's not going to be good for you the brand or your audience are there any legal requirements for blogs is there anything that you have to put on your blog like your company number or you know your that range number or any of the things that you're supposed to have on your emails and and websites and everything else are there any restrictions or any you know do you have to be able to do people do people have to be able to physically find you in some way i suppose is what i'm saying there's the two most important things if you're going to post uh, anything that you've been paid to post or that you're making an income from you need to declare that um, and, and that's the rules from the advertising standards agencies. Um, similarly, also, that needs to happen across any kind of social media as well, anywhere online, you know, so if you post something on your Instagram and, and there's, a, there's a financial agreement between you and, and the other person, you need to, you need to declare that. And again, with your, with your emails, you need to have your address on the bottom of your emails. And if you've got, if you're inviting people to click through and give you their email address for example so therefore you're collecting data about them I guess you know you'd have to be you'd have to be registering that as well you need to stick to the GDPR rules to make sure that you have people's permission to add you to their data add, add them to your database um, and or even though we are now no longer in the EU we still abide by those GDPR rules as well so we need to stick with those so if you go onto my blog and you hit that you want to subscribe, you hit that you want to subscribe, another window will then pop up, which you have to agree that, that I can email you back. And then you probably get something in your inbox, which is click to validate it. So it's a, it's a sort of three, two or three step process. Kate, one word of advice for interior designers listening about blogging. What would, you, what would be your, your gem that you would want to get across to them? I think it's probably what we've already said. If you're going to do it, be consistent. Show up. Fiona? Know your ideal client and make sure everything you write is geared towards communicating effectively with them. Oh, I've got another one, actually. Can I do another one? Yes, please. Um, another one which I find is, and, and again, this comes from sort of, sort of being a writer, don't, don't be phased by the fact that, that you're writing and talking to people. I know that when I started as a journalist, you know, we were always told very strictly that there's no I, you know, no one cares about what you, the reporter, think. We just want you to report the facts. And when I started the blog, I, I approached it in that very journalistic tone. And 
over the years I've learned what what works much better and is 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 much is is much friendlier you know it's a chat now obviously I blog a lot so I'm quite capable of starting a blog with and as I was saying yesterday um which clearly isn't in any of the rule books about good writing but it's that very chatty you're having a conversation so you know and I write my books in the same way I write how I talk don't feel yes it can be a professional blog that that goes alongside a, a professional big multi-staff employing business but you can still be human you can still chat and use your voice as you would you know if you were talking to that person and they were in the room with you so sort of you know take a breath and relax and and write in your normal sort of friendly tone completely agree with that because I think there's sometimes you know when we're when we're all going to be writing about the same things, you know, so at certain trends that come along, you know, the colours of the year. And it's really important that you actually have your own opinion and your own authentic voice to talk about that. Because if you're just saying the same as, as everyone else thinks, and I always say this to people as well, like, if you don't like a trend, don't be afraid to say why you don't like a trend and have your own opinion. You know, it's not every single thing that you have to like, but you just have to be positive and show why it is I, I put um I, when I talked about the color of the year um I, I talked about the press release that came out and it wasn't a very successful Instagram post but then when I looked through it and I put out some posts that people had put on their Instagram about why they liked it why they used it how how it made them feel you know what it was that, that resonated with them about this color those posts were really really successful so it is you know it is about your authentic voice and what you actually think so if you don't like something don't be afraid to say so and I also think you know with with great respect to people who write press releases you know I've written a few myself um but they are they are written to to get the information out there they're sort of written to be rewritten and to put into the voice of the author and you know there were many many blogs I think less so now but I used to see many blogs five years ago where I could say you know I've just seen you've typed that press release out from your inbox and it's not interesting because I can go to that blog and read it exactly the same way and there's no opinion so you know as, as every newspaper columnist will tell you opinions are great and if you're particularly writing about something which you know about in your field then have that opinion that's your authority that we spoke about and that's where you might make a point of difference with the next person and you know so don't be afraid to say you hate a particular color but balance that by saying but if you really love it this is how you can use it you know give advice give opinions use your voice great advice thank you thank you kate and fiona for sharing your insights today that was completely fascinating and i'm just so interested to hear that perhaps it's not all about instagram yes i totally agree with that pinterest does have power so don't forget that interior designers out there and thanks Kate and Fiona for such wonderful advice. Really appreciated. We'd also like to thank Parkside Architectural Tiles, our new partners for 2021. You can find out more about Parkside at parkside.co.uk. The interior design business is available on on-demand services everywhere. We're on Twitter at IntDesignPod and on Instagram and Facebook at Interior Design Business Pod. This episode of the Interior Design Business is a Wildwood production.